Hello listeners, this is the very first episode of Bonds of the Stock or BOSS as we call it. My name is Raj Singhal and for those who don't have any context of me, I was last working as MD and CEO for Southeast Asia at Bank of America where I worked for a couple of decades. I've been a macro trader all my life. Investing really excites me. I'm a big believer of the saying that millionaires are not uh, made by making millions but by saving millions. What's going to be our format? Uh, I will bring you up to speed on what's happening in the market, uh, especially what happened in the week. Then there will be interview with one of the bonds in the market as our title says. These are the people who have not only had been very, have had a very successful career, uh, but also those who have had a very successful investing life as well. Uh, I want to give some little guidance on how to use the shows. We are here not to give any financial advice. We are not giving any stock tips. I actually don't believe that people listen to uh, stock tapes and I sincerely believe that people are better uh, stock pickers only in hindsight. We are here to give you principles to be used for investing and we believe that advice needs to be personalized based on one's situation. So please read everything we discuss here as public opinion. What we want to accomplish from this podcast, I mean we know that there are tons of podcasts to spoil you for choices. I've been a trader in my life. I've run a multi-million dollar business for one of the largest US banks. I've been an investor myself managing my own money. But I had to learn the hard way. I had great mentors for my career, uh, but never had one for managing my money. Or let me say, I never looked for one. So what we want to do is help you untangle the world of investing. Uh, we want you to develop skills so that you can manage your investments well, and then you will not need to work for money, but money will work for you. So without further ado, I would like to introduce uh, through interview our guest. Is he a guest? Uh, Sandeep Bed, a very good friend of mine, ex-colleague, very successful career, uh, expert in structured credits or credit in general. Uh, this is an experimental podcast with him so that, you know, it makes us a low stress, no stakes uh, experiment for our episode one. So here, uh, let me call Sandeep Bed. Hey, Sandeep. Hi Raj. How are you doing man? I'm good. I'm looking forward to Ram with Raj. Great. <laughs> uh, why didn't you, I mean, I've given a brief introduction about yourself. Why didn't you tell our listeners about yourself? Hey guys. So, been working in uh, financial services for the last 21 years now. Seems like yesterday. Uh, by way of education, I am uh, a graduate from IIM Calcutta, passed out in 1999. Uh, have been uh, working, have been investing career since then, both for the organizations I've worked for, and uh, as well as myself for my own small personal monies. So, uh, uh, worked along with Raj at DSP Merrill Lynch, and uh, post that, co-founded an NBFC. Uh, uh, and raising private equity money and uh, built that business and today it's listed called Indostar Capital. And uh, I will say that, you know, last 21 years have been fascinating uh, because one keeps learning all the time. I think that's the beauty about investing that markets keeps on changing and markets keep on teaching you something new. So, you know, looking forward to chatting with Raj uh, sharing some of my learnings, learning something from him as well. 
been a great run for you, Sandeep. Uh, so you you brought in that you know you've been working for twenty one years and and investing. Uh, did you invest very early in your life, or or you've been only investing since you started working? So you know, unfortunately, my financial situation did not permit me to invest uh, before I started working. But uh, I started working in nineteen ninety nine, actually May nineteen ninety nine. Uh, and that, by the way, was was a time when markets uh, were doing very well. It was the late stage of the tech bubble, and uh, I did invest some money in that, and promptly lost that money. And uh, which I, which, which, by the way, I thought was very good because early on, at the start of your investing career, if you will typically invest small because you don't have much money, and if you lose that money. you can earn a lot of lessons which stand you in good stead over a much longer time horizon awesome awesome so maybe i think it's the right time for us to tell our listeners uh what's been your investment philosophy like i mean you know you've been doing this for some time now and you've been uh, you've actually seen all kind of markets i mean the big boom in 2000s then the bust uh financial crisis then boom and and then india has gone through many uh crises uh, uh especially in 2013 and and again now in covid so uh, how what's been your philosophy has it changed uh has has the cycle taught you anything uh, maybe you want to bring in some points here so market cycles always teach us something uh i mean every cycle is new it's different and, and that's why Uh, in hindsight people say you know the markets were at bottom the markets were at peak uh and that's because there is something new in that cycle right because if there was nothing new in that cycle people would have identified that bubble or that bottom much earlier uh in terms of principles of investing i i i like to keep investing simple with two three core principles one is there must be some diversification uh you can't put all your money into equity all your money into debt no uh, there needs to be a diversification second is uh, the percentage al- allocation to each asset class should be a function of whether that asset class is uh, cheap or expensive relative to its historical valuations uh, i personally look at algos which keep telling you whether that particular asset class is right now expensive or cheap for example uh, not very uh, long ago in 2018 uh the small cap index was at actually at 9000 and the small cap uh, small cap price to book was actually at an all time high so basically a simple charting was telling you that small caps are now at perhaps all time expensive valuations so you should be taking money out now mind you that's easier said than done because at that moment you are making a lot of money in small caps but uh, you know uh, i think it's important to try and have the discipline to say that look this asset class is now very well valued let me take some money off the table so in short my uh, investing philosophy is have a mix of asset classes try to allocate money to those asset classes which are cheaper relative to historicals and and perhaps a little bit out of fashion as well let me stick with the the equity markets and because i i assume that a lot of our listeners would be interested in that and when we look at the equity markets i mean you know the indian markets if you look at the last 
couple of years uh, has have not had the earning growth even you know because of the variety of reasons i mean you know people can call demonetization then gst and whatever and now covid uh, but the markets always remain expensive i mean you know for example your dmarts of the world and are trading at like 70 atp uh, uh, i mean people say that there are not too many quality stocks and they got to be traded at premium uh, what do you think on 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 such stocks i mean you know the supposedly high growth so they actually not really high growth but high premium now so that's a tough one raj because uh, 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 obviously these are very high management quality companies there's a shortage of uh, you know companies in india with very strong corporate governance uh established business models and which are promising growth for let's say the next decade and uh, naturally it becomes a case of a lot of money chasing these few stocks which results in uh, you know valuation multiples that are truly expensive right 70 times earnings i mean wow that's expensive so it's it's a tough one raj uh I, I personally would shy away from such stuff because, you know, when the equity market starts to discount too much of the future, you know, that we are excluding the possibility that uh, some events may happen in future that uh, turn all our assumptions upside, uh, upside down because nobody does know the future. To justify a multiple of 70 times, 80 times P, uh, we do need any kind of... Uh, Excel model will show that you need to achieve growth rates of, you know, 20, 25% over the next decade. And uh, we don't know how the next decade will play out. So, uh, you know, I am not a very big fan of investing in stocks that are, you know, at 80 times P because there is no what, you know, Benjamin Graham calls margin of safety. You've already factored in a lot of optimism. And if that optimism were to change for any kind of reason, fundamental, perceptional, uh, the stocks could see a significant amount of downside. Uh, having said that, will you short those stocks? Uh, no way. Because, uh, you know, as I said, uh, these are quality companies. They can keep performing. The markets can keep rewarding them. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I really don't have these ATP stocks in my portfolio. Awesome. By the way, what's your, uh, what do you think of the current market? I think one thing the market is telling us is that it's forward looking. Uh, obviously, at the ground level, we are seeing a fair bit of disruption uh, due to uh, the COVID uh, uh, issues that have come up. Uh, but the market, has taken this in its stride locally as well as globally. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, is not that far from its highs. I don't look at how far it has run up from the March lows because the March lows are also in part uh, due to, uh, you know, a liquidity crunch that was happening because everybody was uh, redeeming money from ETFs in the US at the same time. And a lot of ETFs had to sell simply to satisfy those redemptions. So I don't look at how much the index has risen from March. I look at what is the absolute valuation of the index vis-a-vis -vis historicals. 
And if I look at that, uh, on a price to earning basis, the Nifty is by the way at an all time high. Uh, on a price to book basis, it, 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 it's probably just above median. Uh, it's okay. Uh, the small cap index is actually not that highly valued. It's today at uh, a shade under 6,000. It was at 9,000 in March 2018. It doesn't appear that expensive. So even within the market, there are segments. But I think most important certainly is that the market is trying to look forward and say that, uh, you know, the impact of COVID may not be beyond, let's say, a year or so. And uh, the stock price is nothing as we have learned, but a present value of a company's future cash flows uh, and all its future cash flows, not just the next one year cash flows. So I think what the stock markets are trying to say is that even if the next one year's cash flows are impacted, uh, the impact on the present value of all the future years of cash flow, which by the way is nothing but price, uh, should not be that high. Now, you could argue why the market was not saying this in March. Why did the market fall so much in March? Uh, there were two reasons. One is that uh, the impact of COVID on the ground at that time was actually more and was suspected to be more than it eventually turned out to be. Uh, I mean, that time there were people in Europe and US who were dying. There were full lockdowns. Today, the situation has improved a lot. And there was also uh, a liquidity sucking up from the system with people withdrawing their ETFs. Uh, uh, I think the market started rebounding once the Fed made that very important announcement on, uh, I, I remember that date and time, uh, it was Monday, March 23, 5.30 in the evening, India time. Uh, that was the day on which the markets fell 13%, which was the biggest loss in this uh, 2020 bear market. Uh, on that day, the markets fell 13%, uh, nifty. Nifty fell 13%. 5.30 in the evening, Fed came up with that announcement that they are going to support all, all these asset classes with liquidity, bond buying, uh, they will even buy corporate bonds. They stop short of saying they'll buy equity, but basically give full commitment to supporting the markets. I think that was the turning point of the market. Uh, on 24th March, the Indian markets didn't rally much, but uh, on 24th March, uh, uh, during the day when Indian markets were rallying, uh, were not rallying too much, rather, uh, you could see that QCIDs, which is the equivalent of liquid funds in the US, gold, all have started to rally in the US. 24th March evening, the indices also rallied. And on 25th March, the Indian market also rallied. So this is the impact of liquidity on the system. Uh, when liquidity was being sucked away, prices fell like dominoes. When liquidity came in, the market also started rising. Uh, and the billion dollar question is right now, is this rise purely liquidity driven? Because liquidity can tend to be fickle or is also fundamental driven. Now, if one, if one knew all the answers, one would be, you know, one would need to be a crystal ball gazer. One doesn't know all the answers. But what one, what one would say is that probably markets are looking fairly valued. Uh, I do not think markets are inordinately expensive for two reasons. Uh, it does seem that the, it, it does look on the basis of the uh, data that we have that the impact of COVID is not going to last for years and years. Yes, it could be very bad in the 
next few quarters, but it's not going to last for years. So there is no need to, you know, really uh, uh, say that stock prices should be trading at very, very low levels because uh, stock prices PV of all future cash flows. And uh, when the markets have liquidity, they can take that view. If the markets don't have liquidity, they will not be able to take that view. But with the liquidity support that is coming, markets can say that, look, let us look through the next four quarters or six quarters. Anyway, the yields on the fixed income side are not much. So your opportunity cost is not much. So if you were to stay out of markets in the next 18 months, you would not make much on the fixed income side. So I would say the markets look fairly value. Uh, if we get into a situation where the price to book multiple also starts to get into a territory which is uh, much more expensive to current, then yes, it might be uh, time to take money off the table. Actually, that's a great point you brought in because uh, AA, first of all, by the way, you remember even that time, uh, that's, that's, uh, that shows how top you are on the markets. Uh, so you brought in that price to earning and price to book and probably in a year like this, when you know that the earnings are going to be impacted because of the situation, which is probably looks like will not last long, uh, the whole pandemic. So then price to book actually becomes a good indicator as well uh, to look at. So, so it's not just, you know, I mean, you know, usually people look at only price to earning, but I guess, uh, uh, if, I mean, you know, if for serious investors, uh, they need to look at multiple ways to look at things. Do you, I mean, you know, you say that markets look fairly valued, not expensive. You know, people, I guess, you know, should remain, I mean, should be involved in the market. Any particular stock you like? I mean, you know, with a full disclaimer that, you know, this is not a, you know, we're not giving any advice or tip here, but any stock you like, or you want to dwell on that? Uh, Raj, uh, let me, uh, I, I no longer own the stock, but let me share that anecdote with you. Uh, you know, I, I told you I passed out in 1999 and then in Feb, I think it was February 2000, there was an IPO of a company called Glenmark. So I put in money in that IPO and, and, and I got shares worth, allocation worth at least 10,000 rupees. Now, in those days, the shares were allocated in a physical certificate form. So uh, I had that uh, form in my cupboard. Uh, I think maybe after two, three years, the company uh, shares went into DMAT form. I was lazy. I never got those shares DMATed and they remained in my company. So I finally got them DMATed in end of 2006. And then I sold them and I made a 40x on that. Now, no investing skills here. Uh, pure luck. Why I'm relating this anecdote is it shows you the power of compounding. Uh, that's part one of the story. Part two of the story is that from end of 2006, early 2007 to now, the stock price is where it was. So first six, seven years, the stock generated a 40 to 45 X return. The next 13 years, it generates a near zero return. So that kind of shows you that it's very important to diversify your portfolio because nobody can predict the future for sure. Uh, if you diversify your portfolio and have more than just, you know, a very, very select stocks, you are increasing the chances that the stocks which do very well will make up for the stocks that don't do that well. 
and that's why you know I, I feel all our listeners should have some allocations to index funds. Uh, they are a very cheap way to access a lot of stocks. Uh, uh, Raj, I haven't answered your question on one stock that I specifically like. Uh, you know, for the very simple reason that you know I do also change my mind, like like most investors, right? So if I like something today and I don't like it six months from now, uh, there's no way for me to be sure that six months later, Raj, you will be taking another podcast of mine and asking me which is my favorite stock. And absolutely no guarantee that you know some of our listeners today will be listening to that. So that's that's kind of some of the pitfalls of getting very very individual stock specifics. So I think I'm sure you will excuse me for not answering a single stock, but rather relating an anecdote uh, of one of the stocks that I used to own. Uh, made good money on it. Uh, I think all lady luck. Luck is super important for sure. And then I, and looks like clearly you have lots of it. So so keep it up. And then very clearly, very sure that you know we're going to be having a podcast uh, in next six months or one year. So so be ready with that. And I'll ask you. I'll again try my luck and ask you a question at the time. Uh, so let's get ready for some rapid fires. Um, okay. Okay. So I think when I said uh, looking forward to Ram with Raj, I didn't realize the format is same as coffee with Karan. <laughs> there's no coffee here, though. <laughs> there's no coffee and there is no there is no sofa to sit on. <laughs> and also with someone. So anyway, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, who is your business idol? So, uh, I will say no one idol, but uh, you know, there are a lot of people I admire. Uh, somebody like a Warren Buffett, simply because of the absolute and the CAGR he has delivered over such a long period of time. That's not easy to do. You know, many of us can say we made great returns in this three months or six months, but to do it over 50 years plus, that's phenomenal. Uh, you know, another person I do admire a lot is Aziz Pinji uh, because he is somebody who has uh, publicly and legally given 75% of his wealth to uh, philanthropy and nonprofit uh, causes. I mean, that's amazing, right? Because, uh, you know, I mean, at his level, I mean, there is a limit to how much he can spend on himself. And this thought of using that money for the greater good of the nation is simply brilliant. Uh, I mean, a lot of people in uh, the Western world do it. Uh, in India, it is less so. Um, but I think he is showing all of us of a path uh, and acting as a role model. The number may change. It may not be 75 for all of us. We don't have that luxury. That number may be much, much lower. But I think he is teaching us that we do need to give back to society as well. Awesome. I mean, you know, I, I, I love uh, uh, Mr. Premji for what he's done or what he's doing. Uh, who is your life idol? Well, again, there is no one life idol uh, simply because so many people around, so much to learn from each of them. So I will say, you know, in my early days, one thing I learned a lot from my father was honesty. Uh, the value of honesty, uh, because, you know, if one is honest and the other person believes in you, even if you make a mistake, he will give you a second chance. Uh, if you are honest, you don't need to remember what you said, because, uh, you know, what you, have, what you would have said would have been the truth. 
so your life is much simpler you don't need to remember who you what you told who and i think that's a great uh, thing for me that i've learned from my father uh uh you know and otherwise you know there are many 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 idols right so you know one admires kapil dev for his sporting spirit uh one admires virat kohli for his fitness uh there are many idols i think it's 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 important that uh, we realize that all people have goods and bads and we try to pick up the good and you know learn something from that right uh which book you read last about investing you know i am actually reading a book uh which is the called the bible of investing it's about is that it's that benjamin graham benjamin graham book uh reading it because uh, you know our other friend and co-founder mera suggested it and i must say i'm liking it a lot because the concepts are very simple uh it's about investing when there is a margin of safety staying away from herd mentality uh and i think very very nice and brilliant concepts now obviously that book was written many years ago in a different context and one has to read it with that lens that today interest rates are near zero uh and in those times interest rates in the us government securities interest rates were you know more than 10% in 1980 so that changes how the market multiples will be in a big way uh but so 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 i think an intelligent reader of the book the intelligent investor will divide what is uh, will divide that book into what is permanent good advice and some things that need to change with the market because obviously a uh, no book can be 100% relevant 100 years into the future especially in financial services which changes so fast but it's a great book i i wish uh, you know a lot of our listeners will, uh, read it uh, obviously they need to apply their discretion and filter out certain things uh, which have become which are no longer true of our times but many of the basic advice uh, is very very true a oh, great and i i would also agree with you that you know this is one book which everyone should read uh, what we can do is you know we'll put up the link uh, to the book uh, in our uh, notes in our podcast so that you know people know which book we are talking about and you know if they want they can buy that uh, which with whom will you i mean you know you talk about benjamin graham and uh, and you've spoken about warren buffett as well uh, and buffett was a follower of graham uh, with whom you will identify your investing style with so uh, i you know uh, or you have your own so you know we all can follow your style no i i will say that uh, you know obviously no comparison of the measure of success at all i mean these these gentlemen are in a completely completely different league but yes i would identify my style with them uh, because uh, uh, some of the basic principles are same stay a little bit away from herd mentality are uh, try to invest in asset classes that are cheaper uh, so that you have more margin of safety uh, so yes i think some of the basic tenets w- would remain similar okay what would you what would be your one best and one worst investment so far so you know uh, i think in the year 1999 uh, i invested in a Uh, a tech company uh which uh, in two years 
was about uh, one or two percent of the value that I invested in. Uh, so you can call it actually my best as well as worst in, worst investment. Uh, worst because the return was minus ninety eight percent. Best because it taught me a lot of lessons. Right at the start of your career, a little bit of money you lose. Uh, I think that lesson is worth a lot. So I just put. Uh, I don't. I don't want to name the stock. It no longer exists. But uh, and neither would anyone care for that name because it just isn't there. But uh, it was one of those tech bubble fueled stocks, uh, which is my best as well as worst investment. I mean the story sounds very similar because I also have one such stock, and I I can keep seeing those that one name in my DMAT portfolio every time when I see that. So uh, it looks like the company <laughs> still exists. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, where do you see yourself in ten years? I mean, you know. I uh, don't know. Yeah, life is actually a journey. So so far, it's been good. Let's hope that uh, the journey is continues to be good. I will say, uh, if I can do a, a variety of stuff, which includes, uh, you know, learning more about market, sharing some of my uh, knowledge about markets with others while learning from them. It's a two-way process. Uh, doing something more on the non-profit side, I think if I can achieve these three, four aspects, that should be pretty decent. Awesome. Uh, what advice will you give to your twenty self? Hmm. I think the most precious thing is time. Uh, you know, people think it's money. People think it's something else. But just given the human span of life, the single most precious thing is life. Uh, in life is time, and uh, you know, have fun with it. I agree, and I mean, you know, I uh, reading again, a, read again a good line that you know, when you are young, because you think that you have a lot of time, you actually waste a lot of time, which you realize, <laughs> which you realize only later part of the life that you actually didn't have that much time. Uh, no, I think awesome, uh, Sandeep. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I'm sure uh, been very, uh, uh, it's been great, uh, helpful, useful advices uh, from you. Uh, you know, you've, you've been in the market for long. Uh, you are a constant learner. So thank you so much for imparting those jewels to our listeners. Thank you so much, Raj, for giving this opportunity. It was uh, wonderful to chat with you. Thank you. <laughs>